Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to another Emerging Tech Talks with me, Donovan White. Today, I have the pleasure of sharing the mic with Francesca Gomez, co-founder and CEO of Smart Human. Good afternoon, Francesca. Good afternoon. I'm glad to have you here with us this afternoon. Really, really looking forward to our chat. Um, Just for our listeners, I just wanted to say that Smart Human translates data from the financial services firms into meaningful insights that management can make quick decisions and informed decisions um, about compliance and risk, et cetera, et cetera. But today we're going to be talking about graph databases. I hear you say. Um, So my first point of reference here, Francesca, I wonder if you could just please tell everyone what is a graph database? Good first question. So when people think around um, databases, um, they tend to think around um, relational databases. Um, And these are ways of structuring data. And to do a relational database, you'd identify all the bits of information that you want to capture. You would define that list of different points, um, and then you would put the data in there. Um, And what you end up with is a list of data, which is quite static. So once you've made them decisions, it's not very easy to change. Now, a graph database is less around the actual data that's inside that one table, and it's much more around relationships between different data points. So a graph database is comprised of something called a node, which is like an entity or an object, um, and then a relationship. And and why it's really powerful is because you can define relationships between different nodes and you can actually give them attributes. So if you think around um, something like um, social networks, they are all around people and the relationships. So a graph database um, would be at the heart of something like LinkedIn. And that's how they would understand how people know each other, what the actual relationship between them is, and how they can actually find um, commonalities between people who may not be immediately linked. I think I get it, but I've got another question for you just on yeah. that point. Uh-huh. So so what what's changed in terms of technology that's making graph database now so popular and now something that people can use why haven't they always been able to use it so i think the thing which is making um, graph databases particularly popular one is around um, the rate of change now in, in different um, data structures so previously um, you would create a relational database um, and your um, design of that wouldn't change very much But with a um, graph database, it's really easy to change that design. So you can add on different nodes. You can add on new relationships. Um, So the one big thing is the ability to update it easily. Um, And I think the second part is um, because of things like um, the need to be able to look at complex data sets in real time, the graph database also makes that possible. So something like the social media one um, or being able to find relationships between different apparently unrelated data. Sure. I think um, that that's why it's becoming so popular. Okay. So, so how, does, how does a company appoint smart human? What, why would they want to? What, what, what is it they're looking for? And, and who are your most popular clients that you have? What vertical, what sector? Give us a bit of information about that, please. Sure. So um, at Smarter Human, we've um, developed a technology solution which helps companies 
manage risk in real time, so very quickly, um, but also helps them understand dependencies between different technologies, different teams, and different operations. So we work mainly within the financial services sector, and our customers are both fintech companies who want to be able to scale quickly and access information on risk and compliance that they might not have internally. Um, and then we'll also have customers who are larger banks or building societies. Um, and within then companies, it's around being able to make connections between data and teams, which might be in silos, to be able to bring that together to get like real time insights that like senior people in risk can act on. Right, absolutely. So I, I know that I know that there's one notable example that we're going to talk about now. And, and, and I'd like you just for everyone's just for our listeners, is, is to try and give a real-world example of, of one that most people would know in terms of, you know, the power, I suppose, of, of the graph database. Yeah, so I think the, um, an example which really brings the practical application to life is the use of graph databases in discovering the links behind the Panama Papers. So, Just, just for the benefit of those people mm. who don't know what that is, could you just give a quick... Yeah, so the Panama Papers were a volume of documents that were leaked. And these documents came from um, a a law firm within Panama, and they contained a lot of different information. So legal documents, emails, all from political people and people within um, positions of influence globally. That were trying to... Exactly. And, and, and allegedly, 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 trying, allegedly trying, <laughs> trying, to, um, trying to hide their wealth. Exactly. Allegedly, optimize, allegedly. optimize their um, yeah, yeah, wealth, you could, right? <laughs> yeah, you could use that word optimize. Yeah, absolutely. And um, so what it really revealed were how these people managed to conceal or optimize their wealth. And the power of the graph was that they took the metadata from a lot of these documents And they mapped um, things like different company entities, different people, the roles they had at them companies, be it like a director, shareholder, um, and the addresses of the people and companies. And from that, they were able to find connections that weren't immediately obvious. So they discovered that people were using intermediaries to hide like source of funds. Um, They were using offshore companies with the same addresses kind of between different people uh, and the, they were able to find these inferences using a graph database yeah that's really really powerful i mean i mean at the end of the day if, if you are not complying with the law then it's an absolutely great use of that technology but there are some ethical challenges aren't there with within there as well what's what's your consideration at, at you know at your business at smarter human around around the ethical considerations that you need to have and to make sure that you are, you know, you, you're, you're, you're somewhere in the middle, you're doing the right thing. Yeah, I think, I think um, ethical considerations are really important. So at the current stage we're at, the most of the data we're handling is around how companies are protecting themselves. So obviously that's very sensitive data, but it's not maybe as personally sensitive as if you're holding information on individuals. But, but we are aware that something you're doing now could actually have unintended consequences yes. later. Yeah. Um, so we've been um, a testing partner um, for, um, it's um, an organization called Responsible Technology, and they are actually doing initiatives on how 
how tech companies can make sure what they're building now doesn't have unintended consequences. consequences further down the line. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. So just, just touching on you now for a second, you've, 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 you've got a long history in risk and compliance. Nine, well, nine years, for my is, sins. For your sins. nine years, nine years is, is, is fantastic. And, and you obviously got, you know, some experience in, in a lot of experience in tech now as well. So I just um, wanted to understand what, what inspired you to get into this particular field? And we'll, we'll talk about some other things in a moment, but what inspired you to get in? So for me, I was at um, American Express and I'd actually joined their technologies grad scheme. And um, while I was there, they had this incident in in Italy whereby the regulators, so the one who give them their license to do business, Mm. did a surprise audit. Um, They came in and they found a number of issues within how they were managing risk. So the regulators took away their license to issue credit cards until they were going to fix these issues. So for me, quite in an early stage in my career, I literally saw it could stop a business. Yes. And that's what got me interested in working in risk because I kind of saw in a regulated industry, it's really critical. And then from there, you just just stayed there. (laughs) Yes, no, absolutely. Great. Um, So I know know that you're also really, really passionate about about women in tech Mm -hmm. and, and, and women, I suppose, entering the world of, of, of the science and, and engineering fields. And I know you've been involved in motivating and mentoring. And, and I just wondered if you could share some of that with the listeners as well and, and, and also maybe offer some advice for, for women who want to move into, into, into this space. Yeah. I, I mean, I think the reason I think it's so important is because when you're creating technology, you can actually, you're creating the future because technology now is underpinned so many fields having the ability and the knowledge to understand how computers work and how you create applications um, helps you actually influence the future. And uh, I think when you don't have a good gender diversity or any diversity really is when you start seeing things around like algorithms, which are biased because you just don't have the designers there. Sure. And um, yeah, I mean, so I think if you're in somewhere like London, like we are, Mm. there's loads of great events where you can go um, and meet different people from different backgrounds, different nationalities um, who are getting involved in the tech scene. Yes. So you can build up a network of people who can help in terms of giving advice, helping find career opportunities. And then um, also I'd think use the information that's available online. So like your podcast to learn about new tech. Yes. There's loads of um, exercises you can do to actually try hands-on coding. Sure. And um, yeah, you'll find a niche. It's such a large area. Yeah. You'll find a niche. Yeah, that's really good. I I think for me, one of the challenges, I think if you are a a young um, lady um, just finishing school or Mm. entering university or finishing university, it's, it's that sort of gap you know you you're you're at school you've just done your a levels and you're not sure what to do and I, and I think that's where some education might be needed I suppose my question is do you, do you think that the curriculum needs to be changed slightly or is um, to help and support that that movement I suppose and getting more more females into into the space yeah I think so and I think the um at the stage where people are deciding what to do is the next stage they should really um, showcase that it's not just kind of straight computer science as the only option yes but there are fields like so my degree was in artificial intelligence which meant I did some computer science some psychology um, and some study of animal intelligence so quite 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 rounded yeah exactly and there's loads of different 
disciplines you can go into which are within technology where I think people at the age of kind of A-levels would get really excited about but they're maybe just not aware that they exist. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, what, and what's, what's, what's the piece of tech at the moment that's, mm. that's exciting you? What's, um... So for me, I still think the, um, the power of cloud technologies is immense. And, and the reason I love it so much is because I think it really democratizes technology. So all of the startups you see now, yeah. that's possible because they can literally log on, create an account and plug spin and up, plug and play. Before it would literally be getting physical yeah. servers. And, and they're really developing the um, capabilities on the cloud platforms. Right. So you can plug into things like machine learning algorithms, um, image recognition. There's like a whole suite of really interesting tech you can use. Fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, and what's next for Smart Human? What's next? What's next for you guys? So we've just come to the end. We've been on the Barclays and Techstars Accelerator. Um, we've just come to the end of that demo day tomorrow. So for us, it's really um, continuing to grow our customer base, continuing to work on our product um, and really take a lot of the pain out of like risk and compliance for organizations that want to use technology and innovate. Great stuff. Absolutely great stuff. Well, listen, um, thanks, Seb, for, for mm-hmm. putting us in touch. I, I spoke to him um, first of all, and I'm really <laughs> glad he, he, he dragged you along. Absolutely fantastic. And thank you very much for sharing the mic with me today. Good luck with Smart Human, and hopefully we'll touch base in maybe 12 months or so to see how, see how you guys are getting on. Thank you very much for sharing the mic today. Oh, thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you.